Merry Christmas, Chandler Acres, and I appreciate you listening into this podcast today. We're launching into a brand new message series, and it's called God With Us. So let me tell you kind of what I want to do in this message series. Uh, we're going to actually bounce off what is called an anchor scripture. Uh, for those of us who are followers of Christ, we're going to look at the power of the theological term uh, in the word incarnation. Not reincarnation, but incarnation. It means that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so today as we launch into this message series about the presence of God, I want to start with the verse that will start us every single week. Christmas weekend, we'll deal with this in in great detail, but it's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 23. This is what it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The title for this message series is God with us, as I said, and for those of you who are followers of Christ, it's so easy to believe that, that God is with us when things are good. When you're on the mountaintop, it's easy to believe that God is with us. Whenever you really have got good news, when you get a raise, when your baby sleeps through the night for the first time, or when you get that great parking spot in the mall and it's so close and you God is good, he gave me this great parking spot. It's easy to sense the presence of God when things are going good and when you're on the mountain. But it's sometimes more difficult to sense his presence when you're in the valley. When things aren't going the way you want them to, when you've got bad news, when you're hurting, maybe when you feel a little bit alone, when you're worried or, or when you're afraid or, or when you're battling depression. I want to talk today about God in the valleys. And what's interesting me is so often, much of your life can be going really, really well. In other words, you've got all these different pockets where you're kind of on a mountaintop. And then there's this one area that just weighs everything else down. So much is good, but this one thing just really, really brings a serious weight to your life. And this is what happened to me out of the blue on Thanksgiving Day just a a little over a week ago. Our family was down at my parents' house, and all of us were there, including my aunt and uncle from Texas. Uh, My brother and my son and I were racing RC cars, you know, the ones that you control with your hands and and, uh, you can race and they go really fast and they're jumping and bouncing around and all kinds of fun stuff. And, And of course, we're all eating great food, lots of turkey. We had regular turkey, smoked turkey. We also had ham and of course, all the fixings. We're watching football. We're all laughing all the time. You know, we're just having a great time. And then on Friday, I received a text from one of our church members. Their cousin went into the ER and was unresponsive. She had a major stroke and and had bleeding on the brain. She's still currently recovering, but thanks to the miracle of our good God, she is surviving. But here we are in in the middle of a mountaintop, failing from all over, you know, the perfect moment, the moment you live for. Times like this are, are so awesome and precious. And then there's the valley, you know, the tragedy that comes in and just steals everything that you've been hoping for. And unfortunately, some of you are there right now. You know, some seasons and pockets of your life are, are really, really good. Your marriage is blessed. But you've got a kid making crazy and stupid decisions. And, and that hurts so much. Or you're really, really close to God and you sense God's presence, but, but at the same time, you're afraid you're going to lose your job. 
or you're really, really excited about the holidays, you know, getting together with family, and yet you just got really bad medical news about you or, or somebody else. And so there's many good things, and yet there are maybe one or two things that just kind of take you down in the valley. So what I want to talk about today is where is God in those valleys? When you look at scripture, it's interesting that valleys represent several things. You see, in the valleys, there are often battles that took place. Some of you right now, you may be in a battle in the valley. Valleys were seasons of depression. Valleys were seasons of loneliness. And it's interesting that valleys were also a time of growth. That you may enjoy God in some ways on the mountain, but you experience him in different ways when you're in the valley. In fact, if you're taking notes, I like to say it this way. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. Let me say that one again. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. We may know him, enjoy him when times are really, really good, but we get to know him in a different way when we're in the valleys. So what I want to do today is I want to look at a text from the Old Testament, Psalm 84. And if you've ever read through Psalm 84, chances are you read right past these verses. But if you stopped at them, you may not have understood them even. And so today I want to look at them and hopefully bring some insights that will impact your spiritual life in a very real way. So like I said, Psalm 84, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. So let me read those to you. It says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The Valley of Baca. What is the Valley of Baca? Well, the Valley of Baca was most likely related to a tree. And this tree would ooze out sap. And if you walked by this tree, people said the tree was called a weeper. It looked like the tree was crying. And that's why the Valley of Baca is translated in different ways in Scripture. It's called the Valley of Tears. It's called the Valley of Weeping. It's called the Valley of Loss. Anytime you see a valley in the Bible, you would see a place that was very, very dangerous. There'd be thorns, there'd be wild animals, and probably vicious cats. You know, because cats are Satan's favorite animal in the valley. You know, notice it doesn't say dogs. It never talks about dogs. Anyway, I'm a dog guy. you got to say it. There would be people waiting to jump you and rob you. In fact, it was very difficult to go through a valley without something bad happening. And this is why the psalm says it this way. Let's read verse 5 again. It says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, I know that some of you may not be followers of Christ, and we're glad that you're listening today. And if you don't know God intimately, then chances are there are times when you just say, Hey, I've had enough. I can't do anymore. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I just don't have enough. And the truth is, is you don't know God intimately. Then what you have is all you have. But for those who are Christ followers, we believe that we have a strength that goes beyond just what we have. That we have access to a heavenly strength. And that's why the psalm has said, blessed are those whose strength is found in you. We believe that when we get to the end of our strength, that there is a heavenly strength. There is a divine strength. 
There is a strength from our God that is available to those who know him. I'm going to give you an example that may help you understand this. See, back in the day when I was in high school, believe it or not, I was in shape. I really was. I wasn't as heavy as I am today. I mean, I actually had a six-pack and not a case for, for a stomach. You get what I'm saying? We, we did workouts for sports. And I played baseball mostly and, and some other sports, but I had a friend that, that I did workouts with, and his name was Miguel. But we called him Paco. And it was a short version of his last name. See, all of our teammates called each other by their last names. You know, like mine would have been Wills, and, and somebody else would have been Smith or whatever. But his was way too long, so it was Paco. But what was funny is, for some reason, Paco called us all Paco. So every time we would yell, hey, Paco, he would say, what's up, Paco? And he'd say, hey, you, Paco. And everybody was Paco. So anyway, Paco and I go to the gym. And on this day, we decided to mix things up a little. And we decided, instead of doing, uh, going from lightweights to heavyweights, we would just do the reverse. So when we got to the lightweights, which was the bar, we would just do a little, little reps, okay? And so we were doing these heavy, heavy, heavy weights. And then we got down to just doing the bar. Nothing else. A 45-pound bar. But see, the goal at the end was already of an already exhaustive day to, was to do these 50 reps of just the bar. And it looks absolutely ridiculous if you're watching it. And so you would walk in and you would see us doing these you know, reps with this little bitty bar and people would go, what is wrong with these poor guys? You know, like what? they have no strength at all. All they're doing is the bar. Now, it's relatively easy for, you know, 20, 25 reps or maybe even 30 reps. But then what happens is this little thing called lactic acid sets in. And I'm telling you, man, your body is on fire. I mean, fire to the point like the next day you're trying to lift your arms up and, and in the middle of the process of lifting your arms up, they lock and your arms are stuck, you know. So we are going, and, and Paco is cheering me on, and it looks ridiculous. And he's like, come on, Paco, there's more in you. Remember, he calls everybody Paco, too. And so I'm doing the bar, and, and he's like, come on, man, fire. Come on, push it. And I get 30, and then I get 35, and, and then I start to give out. And he starts assisting me with just the bar, you know, kind of helping me lift it up as I'm pushing it. And, and how ridiculous is that, that he's, now he's got to help me lift up this little 45-pound bar. And so he's helping me up. He says, come on, Paco. And then he starts, it's all you. It's not me. It's all you, you know. And I'm like, it's not me. He's helping me. And he's hollering, it's all you. Come on, it's all you. Well, about 42 reps kicks in. And my arms just give out. It's over. There's nothing left. And I just let go. Well, Paco didn't realize I'd just let go, and he's just still cheering me on. It's all you. It's all you. Keep going. It's all you. And it wasn't me at all. I've completely let go. It was all him. But at the end of my strength, Paco took over. You see, the good news is for those of you who are Christ follower, there is a, a power bigger than Paco. It is our God who, when you hit the end of your strength, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. His strength, Scripture said, is, is made absolutely perfect. Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. If you're in the middle of a valley right now, you have the access to the very real, ever-present power of God who is available and ready to come and assist you in your time of need.
Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. The text doesn't say blessed are those who make it on their own. It doesn't say blessed are those who pull themselves up by the bootstraps. And it doesn't say blessed are those who are really determined. One of the big problems in our world today is almost everybody idolatizes a spirit of independence. And I don't want to need anybody. I, don't, I, I want to be financially independent. I want to be completely good on my own. You know, I don't want to trust people. I don't want people to be there for me. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. You see, we were not created to be independent. We were created by our God to depend on him and depend on others. Blessed are you when you realize you are dependent and you have a power greater than yourself. Some of you, you need to lean into this. You really need to listen to this. You need to just admit it. That to say, I don't have what it takes. I need his presence. Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. I want you to listen to verse 5 in a a different translation because I love the way the New Living Translation highlights this verse. Listen to what it says. It says this, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. I love that. We're on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. What does that mean? We may be in the valley, but we're going to what was known as a city of refuge. Or we were going to the place that they call place of peace. One commentary actually says this. says to get to the city of refuge, you had to travel through the valley of tears. I like that imagery. Sometimes to get where you really appreciate the presence and the power of God, you have to push through a little bit of the pain. To get to the presence of the goodness of God, I, I put it in my notes this way. For so many, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. You see, we've pushed through the valley. We're on a pilgrimage. And this is the way the psalmist has said it. He said this, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds. I want you to say to yourself right now, my mind is set. Say it again. My mind is set because blessed are those who have their minds set toward God. You see, what you think about matters so much. Let me say that again. What you think about matters. Paul talked about this a lot in the New Testament. To the Colossian believers, he said this, set your mind on things above, not on things below. Paul told the Philippian believer this, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy or admirable or lovely, think about such things. Where you are is one thing. What you think about is something else. What you think about matters. Listen, someone needs to hear this right now. Your current situation may be in the valley but your mind can still be set upon God. Your heart might be racing, but your mind is set. Your soul may be aching, but your mind is set. Your emotions may be racing, but your mind is fixed toward God. There may be too much to do, and there may be pressure with the in-laws, and you may be wondering how we're going to pay for Christmas, and on and on and on and on. There may be real tragedies in the valley, but my mind is set on the goodness of God. He is with me. He is for me. Greater is the one who is with me than the one who is in this world. My God is going to prepare for me to prepare a way for me. His spirit gives me strength when I am weak. 
I need him every moment of every day. His words, a lamp unto my feet, it is a light unto my path. When I cannot make it, his power is very, very real. I may be in the valley, but my mind is set on the kingdom of God. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm going to the place of peace. You may be in the valley, but your mind is fixed. Let's look at uh, verse 6 again on Psalm 84. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca. Remember that? Let's stop there for just a second again. See, in other words, we may be in the valley right now, but the valley is not our destination. What are we doing? Well, I'm just passing through. I may be in the valley right now, but this is not my home. I'm journeying to the place of peace. I'm just passing through. My God will get me through this. I'm just passing through. I may be in the valley right now, but this is not my home. I'm journeying to the place of peace. I'm just passing through. My God will get me through this. I'm just passing through. David said something similar in Psalm 23. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I may be in the valley, but I'm just passing through. I may be in a difficult time, but God's going to get me through. I may be hurting right now, but I'm not going to be hurting forever. My God is going to pull me through. I may be in a dark place right now, but we're just passing through the Valley of Baca. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you just want out. Get me out, God. Make it go away. Make it stop, God. I don't want this anymore. Just take it away. I just want out. What you have to realize is so often God may show you that the way is through the valley, not out of the valley. The road to the path of peace is often through the valley, just passing through. I'm just passing through. I love this next phrase. Look at the second part of uh, of, of verse 6. It says, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. The King James Version says it this way. They make it a well. They make it a place of springs. In other words, whenever you're in a dry place, what do you do? You dig a well. You take and clear away a little hole as a container for the provision of rain that God will send. God hasn't sent it yet. It's dry right now. But when you're dry and when you're hurting, you make room for the presence of God. It's almost as if God would say something like this. You show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I will fill it. If you prepare for me, I will show up. You show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. Jesus apparently had this kind of philosophy. In the New Testament, there's a guy with a withered up hand. Instead of Jesus saying, I'm just going to heal you, Jesus said, no, you stretch out your hand, and I will heal it. You show me that you believe I can do it, and I will do it. A man who couldn't walk for 38 years. Jesus didn't just say, hey, Jesus power, you're healed. Instead, he said, you take up your mat. You get up. You show me you believe that I can make you walk. If you show me your faith, I will show you my faithfulness. I don't know who this will speak to, but someone, I know you're listening. You need to hear it. If you dig it, he will fill it. If you plant it, he will grow it. You have to plant your seed before you see the harvest. If you pray it, God hears your prayer. If you dig it, if you prepare, your God will reveal himself. 
When you're in the dry place, you make a well. You prepare for the presence and the provision of God. If you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. And I love the if promises of God in Scripture. If you draw near to me, God says, I will draw near to you. You show me that you believe, and I will show you my presence. If you seek me, you will find me. If you make room for me, I will reveal myself to you. There's somebody listening. You haven't sensed the presence of God in a long time. It's time to make a well. It's time to dig a ditch. It's time to say, God, I'm going to stop and wait for your presence. Because if you dig it, he will fill it. Think about this. Some of you, you really need an encounter with God. God rarely reveals himself to people who are rushed. This should sink into somebody listening. He rarely reveals himself to people who are rushed. Imagine this, Moses in the burning bush. Think about this. Moses is driving 70 miles an hour by the burning bush, taking a picture of it saying, ooh, Instagram story, that bush is burning. That's not what God says. God says, hey, why don't you stay a while? Why don't you take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground? Why don't you for a moment be still? Just be still and know that I am God. Why don't you make a well and then wait on me to fill it? Because if you dig it, I will fill it. If you seek me, you will find me. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Be still and know that I am God. Some of you, it's just time to prepare. And say, God, I want to meet with you. And I'm going to wait for you. And I'm going to believe that you're going to reveal yourself to me because I need you right now. And that is what happened to me on that Thanksgiving day. Inside my parents' house was the mountaintop. And everybody I loved and dear to me and and my family is there. And then there's the valley. And so I went on the back porch just hearing about our church family's cousin. And I began to pray for her. I was heartbroken for her and and the family, and, and I just asked God to show up and do something about it. And I said, I believe you are God of miracles. I believe you are a God of miracles. Let me tell you what didn't happen. There was no audible voice. There was no double rainbow in the sky. There was no earthquake. But what happened is I truly, truly, truly sensed the comforting presence of God knowing he was going to do something about it. Make a well, prepare for his presence, and if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. So I was able to go back up on the mountaintop because God met me in the the valley. We enjoy him so much on the mountains, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. Here's what I hope you'll understand. God never, ever promised that you would never go through the valley. He promised you would never have to go through the valley alone. God with us. And the virgin will be with child, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love the way the psalmist phrases the portion of scripture. He says this, as we journey through the valley of Baca, we're going to the place of peace. And then he says, look at verse 7. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Blessed are those who experience the strength of God. Blessed are those whose strength is found in you. Then they go from a little bit of strength to a little more strength, 
to even more of God's strength to even more of God's strength. And then a little more of his strength until he appears before God in Zion. They will go from strength to strength. Not our strength, but his strength. And this is the very thing that God has done for my family through a 16-month valley. Many of you know my nephew Cody was killed in a car wreck almost 16 months ago. I still to this day think about him often, and I begin to just hurt and miss him so much. It is during these times I find myself going to a quiet place and just asking, just just talking to God and saying, God, please just take away the pain and the hurt because I'm in the valley. I stand here today to telling you that God continues to answer prayers. It has gotten easier as time goes by because I believe our good God is doing just what I've asked him for, to take away all the hurt. And I praise him every day for that. And back up the mountaintop I go. But here's what I want you to understand. We praise him in the valley because we may enjoy him on the mountaintops But listen to me, we get to know him in the valleys. He reveals his character to us. We can sense his strength in a way that we can't otherwise. When we totally and completely need him and we have nothing else and we know that we're traveling through the valley, we're just here. We're just passing through. He is a good God and we're going to the place of peace. So right now, You feel weak. Who is God? In the middle of your weaknesses, my God is your strength. When you're in the darkness, who is God? Our God is your light in the darkness. When you're in a season of trouble, who is our God? He is your joy in the trouble. When you're in the middle of a pain, who is our God? He is your comforter in the middle of your pain. That's who our God is. We pass through the valley. Even though we're in the valley, we do not fear. Why? Because he is with us. The same God that is good on the mountaintops is good to us in the valley. We get to know him in the valley. If you're in the valley right now, you're just passing through. You won't be there forever. Our God will lead you out. He is good. He is with you. He is present. And he will take you from strength to strength. When you can't handle it anymore... You lean into him and let his strength be everything that you need. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you, O God, are with us. Who are you? You are Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Thank you for joining us today.